This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Why, hello, superhumans. It's Boomer Anderson here, and it's podcast day, which means I have a massive smile on my face. As always with the Decoding Superhuman podcast, we aim to take you out to the fringes, back to the mainstream, and really give you bite-sized pieces of actionable information that is backed by science so that you can really make adjustments in your everyday life to become a higher performer. My guest today is a peak performer. My guest today is Sammy Salama, and he's the founder of a company called Light Cognitive, a startup that designs unique lighting solutions dedicated to well-being and performance. Prior to starting Light Cognitive, Sammy worked for eight years at the Nokia CFO office in New York. He has extensive experience in building innovative and complex business models at the crossroads of finance and technology. Sammy is passionate and this is actually how we came to know each other, about well-being and how technology can help make people feel better and achieve more. His favorite recipe for well-being is day skiing and a bright alpine sky. Sammy graduated from the Helsinki University of Technology with a Master's of Science in Technical Physics and Applied Mathematics. He currently resides in Cambridge, that's in the United Kingdom, and examines the possibilities of artificial intelligence. I originally met Sammy at the Biohackers Summit in Helsinki, Finland, and I must say that the conversation was nothing to do about his company and everything to do about his love of the alpine sky, so to speak. He gave me big tips on where to go skiing in Europe as I just moved here. And those tips, I I can tell you, they are well appreciated. So what did Sammy and I get into? We got into all kinds of things. We talked about Sammy's move from the CFO office from Nokia back to Finland and how that move really led to the starting of Light Cognitive. Specifically, we get into seasonal affective disorder and really a deep dive into that. So I didn't expect this conversation to be as wide ranging as it was. But we talked about how Sammy moved from the CFO's office in Nokia back to Finland and what that experience was like. Specifically, we went into the winters in Finland, you know, those famed winters where you barely see the sun, and how they impacted Sammy to really inspire him to start light cognitive. We talked about what is seasonal affective disorder and how to use light and vitamin D to avoid it. We get specifically into Light Cognitive's products, which I think may be of interest to you as the audience. And we talk about how Sammy uses stoicism and Nassim Taleb as inspiration for peak performance. The show notes for this one are going to be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash lightcognitive. That's L-I-G-H-T cognitive. And I hope you really enjoy the episode. Sponsor for this episode is the ring on my finger. No, I'm not married yet, and frankly, before this ring, I hated wearing rings. But I must say, the guys at Aura have done a great job. The Aura ring allows me to track 
all sorts of crazy things about my sleep, including my resting heart rate, my deep sleep stages, my REM sleep, etc., etc. I really enjoy the feedback and it allows me to make lifestyle decisions to become a higher performer. Let me give you an example. So prior to getting the Aura Ring, I would fast essentially 16 hours after my last meal. It didn't matter when that last meal was. However, when I look at my resting heart rate and how that really correlates to my performance the next day, I know I want my lowest resting heart rate coming as soon as possible after going to sleep because that's when all my recovery really starts. So what did I do? Well, it allowed me to adjust really when my last meal was before going to bed. So I have my last meal now earlier in the night, I get better sleep, I get higher quality sleep, and I must say the next day feels amazing. So if you want to check out the Aura Ring, and if you want to pick one up yourself, go to AuraRing.com, that's O-U-R-A Ring.com, plug in the code BOOMER, and you'll get $50 off your order or 50 euros, depending on your jurisdiction. I really hope you enjoy the ring and on with the show. Sammy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, it's, um, it's funny because it was a while ago when we met at the Biohacker Summit. And you and I had a mutual sort of former career. And I don't, I was trying to figure out where to get started here, but I might as well start with that. Finance can be a very comfortable industry. Do you mind just talking me through sort of how you transitioned from finance to like cognitive? Yeah, no. So, so I had a long career in, in large companies, uh, including the finance industry. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was nice when you, when you got into these big companies, you learned a lot, you know, you get to grow with the companies, but uh, as you keep on doing it, you, you kind of notice that, uh, it's, it's a lot of repetitive work. It's high stress. You don't really control your time at all. Uh, you know, uh, things like uh, jet lag are constant. You're spending a hundred days or more, uh, abroad away from your family and friends, you know, it's kind of cool when you start it, you know, you go to nice hotels and all that. But, you know, after a while, it, you know, kind of notice that the values are, are changing and, and it's nice to have a high quality life and spend time with friends and family. So I think it's all these things that came together. And then, you know, on top of this, you see, I've been working with technology also a very long time. So you go through these technology cycles, you, you know, things, companies grow things go well, then they mature, and then comes the cost cutting and everything related, and then you need to find a new place to go to. So you were constantly in this kind of a cycle. Um, and then, then, you know, as you get older too and more experience, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you become more selective of who do you work with, what are the bosses like, uh, you know, do you agree with the, with the product or the things the companies do? And all, all of these things led, for me at least, um, to kind of the decision of, of not not wanting to work in that environment that much uh, anymore. Uh, I wanted more control of my life. Uh, I wanted a more direct uh, feedback loop on on the things I do to my own kind of on results, and and, uh, and then very importantly, just have that freedom not to be told daily what to do. So I, I think these things led to kind of the decision I had. So uh, it, it was uh, uh, the last big company I worked for was Nokia. I was working for the CFO there in New York. I did that for almost eight years. 
Um, and then, you know, at that point, Nokia was ramping down the operations in the U.S. And then they asked, you know, do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? I told them I would go anywhere and just left the company uh, and, and, you know, went home and started thinking about doing other things. And that, that, that really was the big transition for me. So starting to work with smaller companies, initially as a consultant, it softened it a bit. So I didn't have to just go in, invest and build a company. So, and, and, and then from there, started to, to look at uh, ideas or, or what I just found interesting and work more on that. So, so that, that was kind of the transition for me uh, uh, from the big companies to the small ones. That's, that's interesting. So home for you is, well, home is where the heart is, right? But home technically where you were born is Finland. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, born in Finland, I've spent more than 20 years elsewhere, anywhere uh, mm. from uh, South Africa to uh, to, uh, you know, up there in Vancouver, in Canada, uh, Spain, uh, all over the world. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's excellent. So I, I guess my, my question on the Finland side is you, you started the company like Cognitive, right? And um, how much of really living in Finland and dealing with the winters there? was sort of the inspiration for that? Uh, it was very important in this. So, so I think this, it's been a combination of living elsewhere. So, you know, as a young guy, I was, um, I think it was seven or eight in South Africa. I had a room facing into the uh, Indian Ocean, I, you know, and I'd wake up early in the morning, the sunrise. So it was ex excellent, you know, above the sea, you could see this. And I've heard Sounds it. like paradise. <laughs> it was very beautiful. You know, they, they had this, they, they spoke about the green flash. So I woke up every morning to see if I could see this green flash. Not, so, not sure if I ever saw it, but <laughs> the point is, you know, something like this burns into your head. And this is what you think is like, this is what morning should be every time. You wake up, you see the sun, a beautiful view, and, and then you get the light at the right time. So these kind of experiences from elsewhere, uh, they compounded. And these many years, you know, as you get older, you get more sensitive to these kind of things. But these many years in New York too, which is, you know, quite south, you know, Barcelona level uh, here in Europe. So, you know, you, you have a healthy day, a daylight cycle. And then uh, you wake up, it's, it's light. You, you come back from work, it's still light. So these kind of things work. So having done that in New York, then, you know, when I transitioned away from the big companies, I thought we go back to Finland now. Uh, you know, it gives a, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to kind of start things like that. You don't have these risks you'd have in another, other places. You know, you don't have to worry about healthcare or schooling or these kind of things as a family, family person. So, so we went back there and, you know, it was all fine when we got there at the end of the, the summer, but then it started getting darker and darker. And that time I was working with this LED company, which was doing a spectral design uh, for um, uh, plant lighting. And, and, you know, so I got into these LEDs and how you can combine them and all that. And I actually did some of the spectral optimization for plants. Now that's a different target. You can really influence the way plants grow. Flowers, no flowers, elongation, whatever. So we really got into this. So, you know, and then the darkness came. I could really feel this huge difference in energy levels and depression. So then we started thinking, well, hell, if we're building these lights for these plants with all this spectral design, what about us humans, you know? Uh, you know, what's out there, what's offered. And there isn't much out there that you mm -hmm. can use, uh, specifically from a kind of a combination of spectral design, beauty, and then control. And if you want to combine these three, 
then you know we, we you know it looked like we had to build our own product and then that's where really light cognitive came from so it's this like lifetime of of seeing beauty and understanding what it does the combination of good light, light uh, cycle you know like daily cycles and then you know how to deal with jet lag so yeah that, that's that's where light cognitive came from and our solution Interesting. So there's a couple points I want to just sort of double click on there, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Um, On the seasonal affective disorder side, what are some of the symptoms that you noticed in particular, or some of the things that are more common in Finland? Because I think it's something that the general public maybe feels, but doesn't know too much about. Right. Yeah. So so seasonal, uh, the sad, it's really it's classified as a as a kind of a, a depression uh, uh it's not really depression as in you know one would think about it uh, when you talk about clinical depression but it uh, you know it exhibits similar symptoms so if you look at what happens in the fall uh the best time for sleeping and waking cycles is you know pretty much uh you know <laughs> when the day and then the night are the same length you know the day could be maybe a bit longer but that that's when it's really working then as you get you know deeper into the winter uh, uh, even Helsinki, which is in the southern part, you don't really see any sunlight or daylight before ten o'clock. Uh, <laughs> you're at work already for two hours or something, and and then you know the sun goes down around two three, gets very dark. So again, when you leave home, it's dark also. So so what really happens is you don't get a natural kind of signal to your body that now it's the morning. You should wake up now. Your body should start you know doing all these things uh, that we do on a twenty four hour cycle. You know, uh, melatonin levels, cortisol levels, and all these things um, need to operate in, in a you know in a healthy way. So, so what you get from that is like you know you start to get sleep disorders potentially. Now, sleep disorders, of course, link into just feeling bad and underperforming, but you also get these depression uh, uh, symptoms generally from that uh, that time of the year. Depending on the person, some people react very early in the season, and some react uh, you know in January. And I would have that. Like every January, I'm like, you know, I've, I have this feeling of like, uh, before we you know, started looking into this, like, oh, shit, I want to quit everything. I'm done with this. I'm going to move south, sell everything. <laughs> an emotional reaction to it. You, you get literally depressed and you slow down too. So everything feels uh, uh, heavy. Uh, you know, you're more negative. And I see that wider in the society. So, you know, only 1% or... A few percent exhibit strong uh, reaction to this. So really, you know, to the point they have to go to doctors and they get like really, really, you know, they slow down too much and then feel real bad. And they, they the colleagues tell them like, you, you're not very nice in the winter, uh, kind of, a, you know, this kind of feedback. So mm-hmm. and then, you know, up to 20, 30 percent can have, you know, mild symptoms. Now, one also needs to kind of combine with these kind of things, uh, uh, potential vitamin D deficiencies and other things. So, you know, generally I think about it is, is the winter is a tough time of the year. The summer mm-hmm. has its own problems too because light all the time. So you might get sleep problems, but that's easy to take care of just by those pads that you have on the airplane. Mm-hmm. But like the winter, it requires a bit more uh, uh, equipment and, and thinking. So, you know, proper regime of, of uh, vitamin D, proper lighting systems that support this, which have also this light that synchronizes your day. So melanoptic uh, uh, light melanoptic looks. So Sammy, I want to walk in or, or go a little bit deeper on this because, uh, you mentioned something that 
people think of classically as the way to treat this, which is just take your vitamin D and go. Uh, how does vitamin D on its own really not help and, and or just help a little bit? And what it, what is the combination of light and vitamin D offer somebody? Uh, yeah, so so vit- mm, vitamin D is is um, well, it's a substance, right? This is a deficiency problem. So because you, you, your body is not producing it naturally due to lack of UV light, certain type of it. So, you know, that, that's its own kind of a thing that is easy to manage. You can measure it. You can take dosage. You know, it, you can find the vitamin D in all these shops. So, so that's fine. You know, deficiency of vitamin D will re- lead to certain specific symptoms. And, and, you know, you guys can look it up. Like, so, so that, that's its own thing. One should manage that anyways. Uh, in some places, you might even need to do it a year round. So, so, you know, that, that's, that's necessary, so you can isolate that. But then when it comes to light, the way we think about light and, and treating it is, it's not like you get to winter, it's January, you're feeling really bad, your sleep cycles are maybe, maybe messed up, you're depressed, you go to a doctor and then he prescribes to you like bright light treatment. <laughs> so, and then you get blasted with this uh, really bright light in the morning, anything from 15 to 30 uh, minutes, uh, you know, 5,000, 10,000 looks. Well, it's 2,500 around like minimum, you know, you're just sitting there and then getting grilled uh, and, and, you know, and then after a week or two of that, it might or might not help. You need to buy this kind of a light and they're quite nasty there. Some of the solutions you buy for home, they're very small and bright. So you get glare and, and it's not just not pleasant, you know. So, so the way we really think about it is like what you should really do is you should have lighting systems in the home or the office where as the fall comes, you know, these lighting systems start to kick in gradually. So you don't really, you're preventing these kind of symptoms. So every morning you get your healthy dose of of daylight or simulated daylight that, you know, tells your body it's the same time of the day, it's the morning, and you don't even go into this kind of distressed mode. So, so I think that's critical in all of this. Like you just should, you should have systems or or, or uh, places where you avoid this whole symptom coming around. So, so that, that's how we think about it. So the combination of light and vitamin D will actually lead to avoiding seasonal affective disorder. Do I have that right? Yeah. So, so what I can say about my personal uh, kind of uh, experience. So three years ago when we didn't have these systems, I, I tried these bright light things. I tried a bit of vitamin D. But like last year, this, uh, this previous uh, winter, uh, uh, I really, we had this stuff installed in the home, in the office. Every day in the morning, seven o'clock, the sun, so to speak, comes up. The, the, whole, uh, the whole house you know, has these uh, artificial skylights. They light up. And, and, and what you get is you, you wake up naturally into this light. So I don't have a, you know, an alarm clock at all. I haven't used one for a while. So... So you wake up to this, and then I, I took a healthy dosage of vitamin D. And last year, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel any symptoms from this. So you know, nothing, uh, nothing happened. I, I felt just the same around the year, which is of course great. You know, so for performance, uh, you know, things and just general happiness in the family, this was excellent. So I, I think we're we're onto something here. And I think if we get these more synced up and people understand how to use them and they have the right equipment. Yeah, this this can really help even on a society level. 
So let's let's talk a little bit more about light cognitive specifically and sort of the limitless sky and big sky. How would you describe this to somebody? And I'll, I'll link to images of these in the show notes, but how would you describe this to somebody in terms of uh, someone who's never heard or seen light cognitive's products before? Yeah, okay. So, so I think uh, the easiest way to do this is to, to kind of link to it is imagine if you are underground. Well, imagine you're more in the attic apartment and you have these skylights, you know, and the day is the same every day. What we can now enable is you can bring that kind of a feeling and light field anywhere. So even if you have a basement, you can make it feel like it's the, the top floor, you know. So, so we build these skylights and, and these things are, uh, if you look at really the light what that comes out of them, you can first of all control uh, when the day starts and when the day ends. So this is something you set up and, and it runs through the day. Uh, secondly, it looks like the sky. So it has very much the gradient and, and the color tones of a sky. And, and, uh, and the light is very close to what you know actual uh, skylight uh, light you have out there. You're on a spectral level. So this is not just doesn't look like it. It's like a TV the content is actually very similar. So it's, it's quite different from the light you actually get from the TV, mm-hmm. uh, for example, uh, and, and a lot brighter too. So you have that dynamic going on there. Uh, so it's, it's beautiful to look. And, and, you know, a lot of people, when, when they come into a space where this is installed, they don't even, they don't understand it's a light. It just looks like a skylight, literally. They don't, you know, react to it anyway. They just think, oh, wait, great. You know, we have a nice window there and it's all light out here. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, that's that's kind of the, the the second thing, and then when you go really into the product deeper, when you look at the spectrum design, so um, so because we use these very broad spectrums, we use eight different types of LEDs to generate the light and all its gradients. What happens is you ha- you, you you know you get this kind of a uh, you get a feeling of depth on on the large surface, so it really looks like you know it's it's infinite behind it. You get the, the beautiful colors you see in nature. Uh, you know, if you look at a horizon or something, you get the gradient from reddish to greenish to blue. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, and the spectral content is, is very close to what, uh, what the real natural light is. You know, anything from deep blues to, to the deeper reds mm-hmm. uh, in between. And then, of course, the, the last thing, like, you know, and this is very technical now what I'm getting to. Please go for it. Yeah, so... So, you know, so, so you have the blue lights, you know, which are in the 400 nanometers, but then when you get closer to 500 nanometers where the green starts, they're around 480, 490 nanometers. That is the peak of, of uh, melanoptic looks. So this is the, really the, the light that synchronizes us daily. So if you go, uh, you know, you think about the eye. So we have three sensors for colors, green, red, and blue. Mm-hmm. We have another uh, specific sensor, which, you know, senses day rhythm, and, and then, you know, activates us and controls this melatonin and, and uh, this is m- melanopsin, right? Melanopsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it controls our uh, cortisol and, mel- you know, uh, melanoptic levels and all this. So, so it, it's really uh, controlling that light is also essential here. So, so that, that's a big part of the design of the LEDs and how we do that. Awesome. So uh, I guess, Essentially, you're solving a, a, a year-round circadian rhythm issue by activating this melanopsin at the exact times. In theory, because I know in Finland in particular, during the summers, it goes almost exactly the opposite way, right? So in theory, you could regulate your circadian rhythm to be the same year-round. Is 
that the case? That would be optimal. I mean, a lot of these guys who look at this, they even like, uh, they don't want these daylight savings even to be there. So this hourly shift, that's kind of pointless for a lot of these guys. So, so yeah, absolutely. You want to keep it same around the year. So, you know, and I, I think the biggest impact is in the places where you sleep. So because you wake up in these places and this is the place where, you know, you want it to be very, you know, completely dark at night. And then you want this, this uh, uh, you know, call it Caribbean bluish light in the morning. Uh, and then during the day, early day, and then you want to tone it down towards the evening and then, and then not be exposed to it at all in the afternoon or evening or not, not afternoon, but late evening. So. so on the spectrum that light cognitive has, it goes all the way to green. In terms of the UVB light used to stimulate vitamin D, is that sort of why you would supplement with vitamin D in addition to the light? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, it's, it's not, it could be, I'll put it this way, technically, it wouldn't be a big challenge to put one more uh, uh, UV-emitting kind of diode in there. So, you know, we already have the very broad spectrum. You just run into a very different kind of a product uh, if you start putting UV in there. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the regulatory things and all these things, they, they would be a challenge. So, so the way I would, re- you know, really build it, you know, if you wanted to build a UV module, I'd build it separate and then have the clients decide. Mm-hmm. Generally, I find this like with all these lighting products, it's like, uh, you know, we, we can build products already now that are very capable, but then there's the regulation of what you have to get through, in, you know, so you can sell it. But it's also uh, uh, people, people need to be taught how to use these. So if mm-hmm. I give a light that produces a lot of, uh, um, you know, melanoptic looks, which, you know, like our, our light is one of the most capable ones on that. You can really use it wrong too if you want to, you know, blast yourself at evenings and nights and then you're going to really feel bad because you won't be able to sleep with one of these on. Uh, you know, really it's difficult. So we've done some testing in the evenings, uh, you know, like nine o'clock at night and you're just doing some tuning without, you know, using the, the yellow glasses to block out the light. Dude, and you can't sleep after it for three hours. <laughs> There's just no way, you know, like unless you're really, really tired, but it doesn't work. So... So you can really mess yourself up too. So that's why I think this, we're trying to be conservative. Let's emulate the day cycle and do these things so people wouldn't use these in the wrong way. I don't want people to go and, and, and find them. But that is the issue that, you know, it, it's, you can build products that are very capable, but then also you need to educate users at the same time or have educated users how to, how to get the best benefits out of them. Understood. So uh, just to dispel differences here some people may be listening and say they have their philips hue their LIFX lights mm-hmm. they're completely different right in terms of how we how we would view light cognitive versus one of these is that correct uh, yeah so so those products so i use them too so so i use the hues and these kind of things they're great for general control light at home you can pre-program certain things uh, uh, so, you know, I could use it in a way that in the mornings I would put it into colder white and then in the, uh, in the evening into warm white and dimmer. So they're great for general control. Now, the thing about these is they don't really provide much of a light field that, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, if you want impact from light. So they are quite, you know, they're spotlights and, and very weak and typically, you know, you just have them somewhere. So you don't get general lighting from them easily unless you, you buy really a lot of them. So that, that's just one thing on that. The other one is like from a spectral design point of view, they are mostly optimized for cost and uh, okay color rendering. They're not really, 
aspiring to emulate uh, daylight or a very broad spectrum in the same way. So it's really what the, the, the industry is really, you know, like um, optimizing for cost and electricity mostly. So these are a bit more of the drivers for many of these guys. Perfect. You mentioned earlier jet lag. How would someone, because I know you have Dr. Stephen Lockie on the board, right? Yeah. Uh, and how would someone use light cognitive for jet lag in particular? So yeah, so so uh, I visited Stephen in his lab at Harvard uh, uh, last, uh, not this summer, but the one before, and then I actually saw his uh, labs and all that. Uh, you know, he does these tests for humans, so you can really, with daylight, manipulate your day length. I think you can stretch a human's notion of a day up to like 30 hours or something, and you wouldn't know the difference. So these guys pay a hundred dollars a day for uh, you know people to be uh, tested in the lab. And uh, so this guy goes in for a, a week's uh, test, but they stretch his day to 30 and they say, you're finished. And he's like, no, 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 I haven't been here. I want to be paid for the whole thing. So, so people really can be fooled with that. So it, it, it proves the fact that with just lights, you can control your daily cycle and all that in a very nice way. So the way you would use the lights for jet lag is, uh, Dr. Lockley, he's, uh, he's developed this, uh, I think he's an app and all that. He's looked into how formula drivers and NASA people uh, uh, can manage their jet lag and how you induce recovery very quickly. So for the formula drivers, you can imagine if they fly to the other part of the world, they want to recover very quickly unless, you know, before you drive a car at 300 kilometers an hour. <laughs> so you want to be awake. So, so he's developed these uh, uh, programs where he synchronizes when you drink coffee, melatonin, when do you get exposed to light, when do you avoid light and all these kind of things. So sometimes when you are transitioning or when you are there, uh, the lighting systems, or when you come back home, you could use your lighting systems to do this in the right way. So what you get is you get the right program for adjusting, and then you use the light system to to kind of drive that. And this is especially important if the uh, if the light from you know outside isn't working with you, like in Finland or or wherever you happen to be. So mm-hmm. uh, doing that right, it will will drive your recoveries a lot faster. People typically adjust. I don't know. Personally, I've adjusted like an hour a day. But you can do this like three a day, so yeah, perfect. I, I know I've I've got the I think it's called Time Shifter is his mobile app, but I'll be using it going from Amsterdam to San Diego very soon. So let's yeah. see how fast I adjust on a nine hour time change. Yeah, no, I, I think it's critical. It really struck me like I did this for many times, and I always thought like the first thing I need to do when I hit Europe from the US is get out of the airplane and get some natural light. Turns out that's wrong. You should actually avoid it a bit in the morning, uh, and, and, and you know, and Lockley and these guys will, you know, they 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 really looked into this. So you just need to shift in the right way. That's why I think sometimes these uh, formula guys and all these they wear these uh, sunglasses. It's not just to look cool; it also helps with the regulation of light. Interesting. So it may give me an excuse to go out and buy another pair of sunglasses because I, I've stopped using them lately, but. That's good to know. Cool, cool Ray Bands. <laughs> Sammy, what's the future of light cognitive? What do you uh, what do you foresee in terms of different product offerings uh, coming forward? If you're allowed to share, yeah, no, sure. So, so what we're looking at is is we are going to be more into this uh, uh, integrated modules for skylights. So, really working with architects to get these into uh, uh, you know places where people sleep, to homes, uh, uh, other you know whatever they might be, hotels. We can do hospitals too. They have a bit more equipment there, though, to to manage around. But really have this feeling of like any space can have a lot of windows, skylights, kind of uh, facilitating that kind of an approach. 
So you really get this architectural beauty, but you also get this feeling of space and airiness. So we want to work quite a bit on that. And then we're also working with a, quite a bit of uh, industrial partners now to actually bring our products into their, their offering as a part of it. So really, you know, be the company that, that brings this beautiful skyline and daylight into, into different spaces. I, I think the corporate world's going to thank you particularly in where you're from and where I'm living. So that'll be, a, that'll be very helpful come February this year. That's for sure. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we, we're seeing, you know, the company's still young and the products are, you know, they're high tech products with a lot of components. So they're not, you know, they're not bulk stuff, but like we are really seeing these kind of bankers and lawyers and, and uh, high end uh, tech companies, you know, with who, you know, really care about their employees, like, uh, coding, uh, people working on uh, artificial intelligence. These kind of people are you know, buying these things and installing them. Not everybody's renovating the office, so we don't do them integrated, but they buy these panels or something. So mm-hmm. we're seeing that kind of high end. They seem to be aware of this and they seem to be caring of, of having people the right kind of environment. You know? yeah. Circadian biology, biology is a very big topic right now. So Yeah, yeah you have the whole uh, well standard uh, coming along. You know, mm-hmm. so, so, so people are really looking at this. So, Sammy, I have three questions that I ask everybody before um, before we end the show. And uh, the first question, what's your biggest issue or biggest pet peeve with the health world at this moment? Um, I, I always think about uh, incentive systems. So I'm not always sure our incentives are are right. So if, if the healthcare system is geared... Uh, in a way that, you know, by doing more, uh, 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 you know, operations or medicating more uh, is, is more rewarding financially for certain players. I, I think that drives the wrong kind of behavior. So whenever that is present, it, it raises questions of, uh, uh, you know, how things should, should they really be treated this way? Or is this just economically helping somebody? And there's a lot of cases around, you know, doing too many operations on knees or elbows or things like that. The other part is then, of course, medicating. So, you know, I'm not sure it's always uh, balanced what we, we do. You, uh, so, you know, you, you take a medication and then, you know, the side effects are, are worse than the actual disease. Amen. So, so the, the, these are really my uh, things that I, I try to watch out. So I try to, I don't know would be nice to avoid all medication long-term if, if uh, you know, until you really need it. If it's not broken, don't fix it kind of a thing. Amen. Wow. Uh, you and I can go on for hours about incentive systems because this is, I, I would think, chief on sort of what could be fixed about the system to make it, make it better for people. This, mm. is, this is great, Sammy. Uh, next question. Top trick for enhancing your focus. I don't know if there's a trick uh, uh, that I can use all the time, but uh, you know, it's. I think it's mental, really. You just need to uh, uh, go meditative and and uh, and then just focus on things. Obviously, shutting out all uh, noise and and other distractions is important. I think that's the way for me, at least, to do it. Things for me that, like you know, they require a bit more effort than planning. But if if you know, if I get to go to a yoga class or something like that. And then, you know, have a bit of quiet time. That would really help. Mm-hmm. Just really difficult to fit it in all the time when you need to concentrate. Last question for you. Favorite book on peak performance or performance in general? 
Yeah, I, I think I tend to read. I think it's a lot of mental things. So it's almost uh, philosophical things that I read from different books. So I don't have like a specific writer who talks about performance, some athlete or anything like that. I, I would go to like books written by some old monks or Seneca or something. Let's let's go with that because you mentioned Seneca and Stoicism is definitely a, a way I, or the Stoic philosophy is a way that I kind of look to operate. Uh, what what are some of the philosophical treatises that's had the biggest impact on sort of how you look at the world? Well, I like, I like uh, Seneca's writings. Uh, I've quite enjoyed uh, thinkers which are more modern, like uh, Nassim Taleb's books. Oh, yes. He's, uh, uh, you know, he has, a <laughs> he's quite radical sometimes on his comments, but I think they bring up a, a lot of good thinking uh, uh, that I really like. And, and for me, how do I link it to performance enhancement? I, I think it's critical that one has an objective view of what can you achieve, how should you achieve it, and then and, and, and try to kind of uh, not worry about things you can't really impact too much. So it's that whole cocktail there that I find very interesting. One of my, my Talib missions, if you will, is to make people anti-fragile. Uh, so I, I really I really enjoy what he's, he does. And frankly, the candor that he does it with is very nice as well. Well, yeah, he's bringing a lot of uh, good ideas. So this anti-fragile, since you can bring it up here, I think it's, I find that very interesting. And I think that's really... When you think about the shift you, you we started with uh, from a big company to a small one, I think that book captures a lot of it. It's being anti-fragile. So if you can survive, so to speak, in the wild, like uh, do it on your own, doing your own things, you don't need the big companies. You don't need their uh, you know cushy things, but you can always go there if you want to. So you're really in a better place. And, and that's like, you know, I think that should be a good aspiration for anybody who thinks about you know doing their own thing try to become anti-fragile at least learn about it so you know so so these kind of things absolutely absolutely well sammy thank you so much for taking the time this is a a great spot to sort of leave it because if we keep going you and i are going to talk about systems incentives as well as uh or incentive systems as well as anti-fragility for the rest of the day so maybe we'll do that in a ski spot in europe <laughs> absolutely so you pick the ski spot austria hopefully not verbeer uh but you know whenever you want to go let me know all right thanks thank you so much All right, superhumans. Did you enjoy that one? Did you enjoy the show? Well, if you did, can I ask a huge, huge superhuman favor of you? Can you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating? It really helps get the word out on Decoding Superhuman and what we're doing here. And secondly, if you have any feedback on the show, any guests you want to see, any topics you want covered, please feel free to email me at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. For those of you who have taken advantage of it, you know I respond to every email. So thank you so much for your feedback and have an epic day, superhumans. Remember as always, choose health.